Would you please pray with me? Lord God, I thank you for your love. And I pray that as we read your scriptures today, as we hear words conveyed through me to all of us, that we would be encouraged today, encouraged to experience your love, to look towards your love in the brokenness of this world. And I pray that whatever is weighing on our hearts today would be lifted up to you, God, and we would leave refreshed, experiencing the power of your love upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning to you all, and welcome to all of our guests who are joining us today, and welcome to everyone online joining us for worship. My name's Pastor Allison, and it's good to be with you all. Um, if you're a guest with us, um, we invite you to fill out the connection cards in the pews and place those um, well, we already passed the offering plates, but if you would like to hand those to an usher on the way out, we would love to connect with you sometime this week and maybe send you a card or give you a phone call and just say thank you for coming to worship today. Well, last night, my family and I, we decided to go around town um, looking at Christmas lights. I don't know if you have a tradition of doing that um, or take time to do that. Um, there were a lot of really beautiful houses out there. And as we were going around, we were specifically looking for three things. Um, lit up trees, snowmen, and nativity scenes. And as we were driving around, we saw something that my kids pointed out that we weren't expecting. And it was a manger with a cross next to it. And I remember one of them asking, why is there a cross next to the manger? It's Christmas. It's not Easter. And I said, hey, just listen to my sermon today and you'll understand why. <laughs> because that's exactly what we are going to be talking about today. And why up here in the manger, there's baby Jesus and a cross. One of my absolute favorite Christmas hymns is What Child Is This? And when I was growing up um, in high school, it was kind of expected that me and another high school guy would um, sing What Child Is This? every year. Um, and I love it because it encompasses both the Christmas story and Easter. It talks about the birth of our Savior and the death and resurrection of the Savior. So I'm going to read some of these words for you. Oh, yeah, I just wanted to show you some beautiful pictures of the manger, the meaning of the manger with the crown as Jesus is king and then the manger at the base of the cross. I thought those were beautiful. So um, the words go, what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping this this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. Why lies he in such mean estate, where ox and lamb are feeding? Good Christian fear for sinners here. The silent word is pleading. Nails shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. So this song is really about the bigger picture of Jesus' birth. That when he was born, the cross was as well. In the video today, we watched 
um, we saw Mary and Elizabeth joyfully sharing in this holy moment of wonder and mystery that Mary would become the mother of the Savior of the world, and his name would be Jesus. And last week in my sermon, I talked about this joy, this holy moment that we just watched, and what it looks like to experience the joy of Christmas, not because of our circumstances here on earth, but because of the Savior that has been born, and the joy that we can find in the fact that we have a Savior. We looked at the Luke 1 passage where Elizabeth, Mary, and unborn baby John leap for joy at the announcement of the birth of their Savior. And their joy was because finally, the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior, would come to rescue and redeem them and the whole world. But what Mary didn't know was just how the saving was exactly going to happen. Now, this had been prophesied throughout um, many prophets in the Old Testament, but just how was Jesus going to save the world? Was he going to come as a mighty warrior and king and take over Rome and Herod and um, become this great ruler? That's not exactly how he did it. He was born in a humble stable, laying in a manger, and he would grow up to have his hands, his feet, his precious sweet head, nailed to a cross with a crown upon his head where he would die as the sacrifice for all sin. And last week I mentioned that the Gospel of John has this overarching theme of joy, that as you read it, you experience a lot of the joy of Jesus. Well, today we are in the Gospel of John, and the theme of the Gospel of John is love. The Gospel of John is believed to be written by the disciple John, who is one of Jesus' closest friends. You know, he had the 12 disciples, but then he had three closer ones that he had more intimate conversations with, and one of those was John. And it also says that he leaned against the chest of Jesus at the Last Supper. So he feels really holy, really special, really loved by Jesus. And he's also the author of Revelation. Our reading today was from John chapter 1. And we're going to be diving into this text a little bit to better understand the love that Jesus is communicating here. The word love that's used in the Gospel of John is called agapeo, or we would pronounce it agape. And it's used 27 times in the book of John, and it is the book of the New Testament that uses it the most. And agape, love, means unconditional love. And this is different than the type of love you would have with a friend or with a spouse or the love you would even have with your family. This is a love that drives God to give his only son, Jesus, to us, to willingly save us from our sins. It's a love that means no matter how many times we mess up in this world, that God loves us. No matter how undeserving we may feel or how unworthy we may feel, that God still loves you. Now, John 1 is a different Christmas story than our typical narrative in Luke 1 and Luke 2, which we will hear from a little bit more tonight. This is because John chapter 1 isn't just about the birth of Jesus, but about the full meaning of everything he was and is and did and will do. It's all about the love of Jesus. It's how Jesus is a loving creator. And so in John 1, 1 through 3, we read that in the beginning was the, can you all say it? Word and the was with God and the was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Thank you for, for your participation. So Jesus is the word that they are referring to here. And this means that Jesus was present at creation and that he is a loving creator. John's gospel didn't begin with Jesus's birth. It began all the way back at the very beginning of time with creation. And this word that is capitalized is important because it's Jesus at the beginning of time. And this is where we see the Trinity at work. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and the Son is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. So this means that Jesus was a loving creator, that you were created because he loves you, that you were created because he wants a relationship with you, and he is a loving creator who knows you intimately. Throughout the scriptures, we see so many different ways that Jesus loves us and knows us and invites us to experience his, his love. It says we are knitted together in our mother's womb. Before we are even born, Jesus loves us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. That we are created in the image of God. That he knows every hair on your head. And that Jesus made, and that you were created in his image. And that Jesus came to give us life so that we could thrive live abundantly. That was our theme this year for our 125th anniversary. And we see that all, all the time in the Gospels that Jesus interacts with people out of love. He interacts with sinners, the outcast, the demon-possessed, women and children, and the love that he had for them as he set them free, as he spoke truth over them, as he invited them to follow him, and he blessed them. So when we read the scriptures, we aren't just reading about Jesus back then. We are reading it to understand what has always been and what will always be. That Jesus was present at creation of the world because he loves you. And he came to earth because he loves you. And he still loves you today. And because he loves you, he invites you to let him be the loving Lord of your life today. Which brings us to this next bit of passage, which it says, In him... The word, Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So this reveals to us that Jesus is a loving Lord. He was a Lord back then, and he is still a Lord today. And Jesus came to be the light of the world, to break into the darkness of our world and bring his grace, his truth, his peace, and his love. You see, we, in our world today, we are living in two kingdoms, okay? We might not see it around us all the time, but it's definitely going on spiritually around us. And there is a kingdom of darkness and there is a kingdom of light. And the darkness is the kingdom of our enemy, the father of lies, the deceiver, which is Satan, and his minions, his demons. And the light is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and his angels, and his kingdom that is full of glory and truth and grace. And Jesus coming into the world as the light 
was the initiating of a big battle of two kingdoms, okay? So Jesus was here to fight for us, to fight for you, to break into the darkness of this world and bring about peace and freedom that you can experience today. When I think of the darkness of this world, I think of sickness and cancer, bones that break or diseases that take over our bodies and our minds. I think about physical death, war, battle over our identities in this world, the temptations we have every single day, the sin, and all of this coming from sin that entered at the very beginning of time through Adam and Eve back in Genesis. Over the past few weeks, I've been struggling immensely with anxiety, and my body has been like rebelling against me, and my acid reflux has been really bad, my anxiety has been really bad, and just, I feel like my body is falling apart, and I'm only 36, right? I'm 36. I'm 36 right now. <laughs> you ever have to do that? You have to pause and think, how old am I again? But I've got doctor's appointments and doctor's appointments and just so much going on, and I'm like, oh, I just want to experience freedom and peace from all of this. It has been such a darkness to fight. But when I think about these things, I think about Jesus and his love for me. That Jesus came in to break into this darkness and fight for me. That even though my body might be failing, Jesus is still fighting for me because he loves me. And that doesn't mean that because Jesus is fighting for you that the end of the story has come. This war is happening for real. And it's still happening. And one day, one day, the war will be done. And that's the hope we can cling to. Is that one day, Jesus will come back and be victorious over the darkness forever. And that brings me to my last point, that Jesus is a loving Savior, which we read in John 3, 16 through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. This means that Jesus is a loving Savior. Right there, that love that's talked about in John 3.16, that's agape love being displayed and described. That God loved you so much that he gifted you his son Jesus so that you wouldn't be condemned but be saved. The saving began when Jesus was born. But the fight, it climaxed at the death and resurrection of Jesus when he went to the cross. Roughly 700 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah promised that Jesus was, would be born into a humble circumstance to live a simple life, die a brutal death, and then rise to take away the sin of the world. Just read the book of Isaiah, and you will see all of these prophecies that tell of Jesus' coming as the Messiah. And the reason we have the cross out here today is because that's why Jesus was born. He came as a sacrifice. And when we look at this cross, we see what God's own agape, unconditional love really is. That when Jesus died on the cross, that was the full display of God's love for us. Lately, I've been spending a couple mornings a week coming in right here and sitting um, kind of up on the steps here, gazing at the beautiful tree, and also taking time to do my Bible reading and my prayer and my time of meditation, and as I've been reading, uh, I've been wanting to read Revelation, and 
as I've been reading Revelation, I've been reading about the promises that God has for us and his plans to restore all of creation. And when I'm there, I experience so much of his love for me that he would go to such length to save me and love me. And that someday I have a hope to look forward to. And so I want to list some of these promises that he gives to the church, to his people in the book of Revelation for our eternal life. To those that believe that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, who believe he was born as the Son of God, dwelled with man on earth, went to the cross to bear the sin of the world, died and rose again, there are some of the promises that he gives us. That you will dine at God's table. That you will sit at the throne of God. Given a crown to wear forever and given a new name. That you will walk with God and be clothed in white. That means completely cleansed of your sin. Acknowledged before God and the angels. Not have any more burdens. Not be hurt by the second death. Given the right to eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God, not experience any more curse on this world. You get to see the face of God in his holy city. There will be no more night, and we will live forever. And he will dwell among his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and there will be no longer death, there will be no more mourning, no more crying or pain. All of those things will pass away. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? In Revelation twenty-two seventeen, it says, The Spirit and the Bride, that's the church, says, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty, who is longing for Jesus, come. And let the one who wishes to experience these free gifts, gift of the water of life, come. So in our reading today, there was an invitation for you. It's from John 1, 12 through 13. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. You have an invitation. Jesus is inviting you. It's an invitation that can change your life forever. It's an invitation to believe in Jesus as your Savior and to let him be the Lord of your life. And that when you believe in him, you are adopted into his family. And you get to experience all of his gifts now and the gifts of eternity. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promises that you give us. That when Jesus went to the cross, we were set free from sin, and that promise still reigns true today. And I pray that promise would sink into our lives, that we would have you be Lord of our life, that you would heal us, Lord, make us clean, heal this world around us. Would you break in with your light, and would we witness your light all around us today, God? In Jesus' name, amen.